0: Hello everyone, uh, it's another episode of the Hello Mentor podcast. Uh, today we have a returning guest with us. Uh, it's uh, Jen Lau, who is the Managing Director of Wonderlust & Co. Uh, and Jen was previously with us in an earlier episode, which is uh, episode 7, uh, where she shared her story about how she started the company and her philosophy of uh, running a business. Now, uh, on and off since after that particular episode or interview and I have spoken to Jen a lot about leadership and in particular what it means to be a compassionate leader and through all these conversations I thought hey you know what let's let's have like one episode where we kind of dive deep into this go into it, some examples because it is something that I believe would be very helpful for a lot of people to know uh, and also something that people are curious about so Without further ado, uh, I'd love to jump in to uh, you know another conversation with Jen. So let uh, so let's start. So well, thanks, Jen, for coming again. Uh, we we did we did an episode. Uh, I think it was almost two years ago, uh, yeah. uh, right? And yeah. we did it virtually, so it's good to sort of like meet you in person yes. and sort of do this in person. Um, one of the one of the really interesting things I remember from our conversation that we talked a lot about leadership or like compassionate leadership. And today I think I just want to jump in and dig in a little bit deeper on this topic because it's something that I hold quite close to my heart. So literally this morning I had, not this morning, like around lunch, I I had a conversation with, um, I have like a coach, right? And um, we were talking a lot about what does it mean to sort of be kind, and be an effective leader at the same time mm-hmm. so it's it's not always easy even for me so sometimes so for example you know um y- uh, you know you have your business interests and sometimes it doesn't quite always align with let's say what the employee is thinking about mm-hmm. or sometimes if there's very important feedback mm-hmm. and you don't know how to deliver it in a way that you still feel that you're still being kind of compassionate so I, I just really want to jump into that but
1: He's just throwing me into the deep end. Yeah, right? straight go.
0: Yeah. You're just like
1: look here, something someone to tell people, but you can say them for me.
0: <laughs> That's That's right. why
1: I'm actually here.
0: That's right. So I'm gonna take clips out and I'm gonna send it to you. Right. you see, You're right?
2: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh,
0: what what's your sort of um when you hear the term compassionate leader, all right? Like what what do you imagine?
1: Um, compassion for me, uh, is being in touch with the human side of things. Mm. Um, and, uh, life isn't in black and white. A lot of times things are in the gray zone Mm. and when things are in the gray zone, like we are all using a different perspective to look at it. Um, I mean, take, for example, the last two years, like, and all the different turbulence environmentally, politically that we've gone through as Malaysians in in, in our country. Um, And it's so interesting on one topic that, you know, let's say you bring up a topic. Um, and you can see how people are so clearly affirmative in how they feel about something. And, and there's so much division, right? Even mm. on the topic of vaccination, right? Mm. Um, like people believe what they believe and it's so obvious to them, you know? Mm. So com- I, I think compassion for me is uh, not just about being kind, but compassion is when you're able to accept different perspectives and hold all of them together. That That's a form of compassion. Mm. Yeah, mm. for me. Mm. Yes. Mm.
0: So to be sort of like kind of very open-minded listen to different opinions
1: yeah like to to be able to compassion i think the obvious things to us are like being open you know Mm. being kind you Mm. know uh being a good listener you know uh being humane you know Mm. but i also think uh a huge part of compassion is your ability to be grounded in allowing different perspectives to exist together does that make sense? Yes, yes yeah, that's
0: yeah. right. And, and not be too uh, fixated upon an idea.
1: I think right. to be able to say, I still think this, mm. but I appreciate what you're saying and, and um, I am comfortable enough and compassionate enough to appreciate and, and understand your point of view. I'm not going to try to persuade you away from that. Mm. I feel that that's a form of compassion.
0: Mm. Do you feel that there, there are some common misconceptions about what uh, being a compassionate leader might be? Or misunderstandings, you know, sometimes when people hear about being a compassionate leader.
1: Yes, because I think we I think I think when when two two different parties come to a conversation, right? Um, and let's say we come from different perspectives and we want uh let's say A wants this outcome and B Mm. wants a different outcome, right? You come Mm. together and let's just say A is the boss and B is an employee and then, and and B is, gets turned down. Mm. So B walks away from that conversation thinking my boss is not understanding, my boss is not compassionate. Um, But that goes back to my definition of compassion, be, be, being compassionate to me also means that you can understand or you really seek to understand why the other person had this opinion. You might still walk away feeling unhappy because it wasn't what you wanted, but you can appreciate where they're coming from and why mm. and not straight away label this person as unkind or difficult because they didn't give you what you wanted.
0: Right, right. Does right, that right. make sense? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And I, I think sometimes, um, so... so in a way, when people hear compassion, they feel like just someone that's always nice to know so sort of always gives, gives in to them yeah. in some sense, but that's not necessarily the case, right?
1: Yeah, because, you know, I'm sure we've all heard of uh, the concept of tough love, right? Um, and, you know, this morning, I had a conversation with someone on my team. And so it was in that same PIP. So this, the, this person is my manager, and then there's someone re- reporting to them that was getting evaluated in the review. And, um, so the person getting evaluated said something like, oh, this person is a disciplinarian. And then I laughed in the review and I said, well, I'm her disciplinarian. And then that person in the middle, in the morning before that meeting got told off by me for something, you know, uh, not like raging told off, but just got, got, got told a fact, you know, and then she actually responded in a way I didn't expect. And I was really proud of her in that moment. And she said to me, well, everyone needs someone to discipline, like, be there disciplinary and I'll be on top of them for something. And I thought that that was a very mature response, you know? Um, and, and in that moment, I knew that, okay, this person has grown. Mm. But your ability to digest when someone, we've all heard the saying, right? Like your reaction when you have everything, is not anything to go by, but your reaction when you have nothing or when things don't go your way, you know, so if one day things absolutely, you know, like if, bleep hits the fan, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you find yourself calmly and quietly being okay with it, although you are not, that's when you're like, you should be proud of yourself. You know, it's 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 like a deep moment with yourself before you move along to what's next.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and in fact, um, I like that point. I mean, we, even being myself, right, I find sometimes it's good to have some kind of external force that helps um, push us in the right direction because being human... You know, we all have a, like a little monkey brain. I mean, I joke a lot. Like, if like if you just left it to uh, left me to myself over mm. the weekend, I might spend the whole day just on my iPad playing games, right, 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 and, and I just like just having a good time or having. Are fun. you sure
1: you have children? Because uh, mine don't let me do that. Uh, Should we trade? <laughs> Your kids let you be on the iPad all day. How? Uh, well, that,
0: that would also mean that they are on the iPad, the whole Okay.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, that makes sense.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. So. Yeah, sometimes it's good to have like, um, uh, I think use the term disciplinarian, but you still have you. It's good to have someone to kind of, hey, look, you you kind of gone off base a little bit, yeah, right, and yeah. and because we can't see ourselves, yeah, right. So it's quite useful to to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, mm. and um and um, I think going back to the concept of tough love, it's like, uh, I'm sure we all. You know, with with the new year at the moment, every, and 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 with health being such an important topic over the last two years, everyone's probably, if you talk to anyone or any resolutions or any any anything you're manifesting for this year, people are probably like, oh, I want to make sure my health is good. Like it, it will be somewhere on that list. Um, and so we're probably all trying to hit the gym or probably trying to do different classes, try new things, you know, uh, like even in my team, some people are going back to like the boxing class or different things. And if you think about when you're at the gym, for example, like I have a P- I I had a PT, like, especially after kids, um, I, I have a PT to try to keep me in check. and halfway through the session, I'm always like, Josh, you're trying to kill me here. You're trying to kill me. I cannot, like literally I'll be like, I cannot breathe. I one time said to him in a session, I cannot breathe. He's like, you can talk th- what?
2: <laughs> Means you can
1: breathe. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like what the hell? Um and it's very I don't know if this is gonna be, be a weird example, but it's been a while in my role, right, as the MD, as the founder, it's like I get so good and so used to doing so many things. So it's been a while Professionally, since I've had to really do a lot that is, is like so, so difficult. Mm. My job is difficult every day, mm. but when it comes to tasks, you know, like I'm so used to like writing, doing things, reviewing things, making decisions, like it's like well-oiled. So mm. in that PT session, when he got me to do this, like, like plank with rolling a ball then crawling, I'm like, what is this thing, you know? And and I felt so childlike, like like I'm back to basics, doing this exercise movement. And then I said to him, like, I can't do it, Josh. And he was like, you can, you just need to focus. I'm like, I'm so tired. He's like, no, just focus, finish the finish it, you know. He was like, he had me on a timer.
2: Right. And then
1: in that moment, I was like, maybe this is what some of my team members feel like. Because if mm. I think back to when I was an intern or a junior executive, like, you know, it is hard. Mm. right Mm. so to me coming back to your question about compassion and hence why I'm saying a huge part of compassion is your ability to understand someone else's perspective
2: Mm. you
1: might not stop demanding the quality you want from someone but you can understand why they're struggling that's compassion,
0: right? Yeah. And then, and I think it's interesting you brought in the example of like a personal trainer. Uh, so I am thinking about how athletes might fire train. him. You know,
1: I text him <laughs> after
0: this. <laughs> no compassion, you. No <laughs> compassion. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at like how the best athletes train, right? You, they have someone sort of really pushing them to yeah. their limit because if they if they didn't have this person, they wouldn't go to that limit, Yeah. Right? You need someone to kind of be there. Yeah. So so this person, while is seemingly hurt hurting you, is actually helping. So, and, and that's where I think this kind of whole gray area about being a compassionate leader actually is. So even for myself, if you don't talk about leadership, just talk about, say, children, right? So I, I think I'm naturally sort of leaning to a very nurturing kind of person. So if I see my daughter is struggling with something, you know, I, sometimes I jump in a little too quick, you mm. know, said, oh, no, let me help you, or, you know, like, oh, no, no, it's okay, like, just relax. And and actually, sometimes I realize that it actually doesn't help them grow,
2: mm. you
0: know? So, so... So, what does it so, but when I'm doing this act of kind of pulling them back or saying, oh, it's okay, sit down, right? Mm-hmm. In that moment, I feel like I'm being kind mm-hmm. or compassionate mm-hmm. to her, but it may not necessarily be, right? You know, so so, so I think it's quite something I'm also learning as a yeah, person. Yeah,
1: I think it uh, just saved Josh's job.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Your PT's name is Josh, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, good, good. It's good that someone's pushing you. Uh, are there any scenarios, though? where you feel that being a compassionate leader is no longer appropriate as a staff?
1: Hmm. Oh, it's a tough question, right? Um, look, the, the truth is, there's no direct answer. Hmm. Because if there was, you know, then countries wouldn't be in the turmoil that they are, like, you know leaders globally like the last two years if you look at New Zealand versus the US like versus the UK like I think in the last years we've seen like leaders like outside of the context when I think leaders I don't just think someone you know responsible for a revenue line I think people who lead you know Mm. even in religious organizations whether it's church or something you've got like leaders right Mm. leaders in in all regard and um, I think in the last years we've seen like leaders really come under fire right for their choices so I, it's a tough question. Um, and I think even when you make the right decision and you make the right call, people are still divided in their opinion about the call you made, right? So I think as much as possible, um, I would say number one, base things on data. Mm. You know, base things on data. Um, we talked about this in the first podcast where I say make decisions with a cold heart, but execute with a warm hand. Because the reality is if you please a bunch of people because you want them to say you're nice or you're good um, and it wasn't the right decision, or oh, come back and bite you in another way. Mm. And then somewhere further down the line, because here's the thing, whatever decision you make, and this isn't just for leaders. This is for us in our everyday lives. Whatever decision you make, small decisions also, where to go for dinner. Mm. Let's say you have a big family. You choose this, then someone's like, oh, that one, uh, you know, I went with my friend. You know, that one is expensive. You know, like mm. even little things, right? Mm. So my point is just like, you know, coming back to like, let's say in an organization, right? Like make make decisions based off data, you know, really like make decisions with a cold heart, but execute with a warm hand. So when you're you're announcing a decision, when you're getting people to to carry out the project, then then you can kind of um, be more compassionate in how you're executing. But the decision itself, I think, it has to be factually based.
0: Mm. Yeah, right, right. But so how you
1: deliver the news, how you execute the news, I think, can be humane and compassionate. Right, yeah. right,
0: right. So you still have to. Make the right decision, not the popular decision, but the way you sort of execute it has to be like, um, I suppose um, you don't have to be unnecessarily abrasive or, you know, all right.
1: And I think there's a time and place for democracy. I don't know if that's a popular thing for me to be saying. but, you know, let's say you look at vaccination program globally, right? Vaccination programs globally. Look at the countries where they haven't mandated it as hard mm. um, and look at their death rates and their infection rates versus mm. countries that have. I'm not stating my whether I'm pro-vaccine or not. I'm just stating as a fact. We can look at situations. So I think the best leaders are necessarily always about democracy.
0: Mm. You
1: know, um, the best leaders know when they can and can't be democratic mm. that's what I think and mm. even then we don't get it right
0: yes that's right, right.
1: Yep. Um, actually my husband is actually in investment finance so he works a lot with like some of the top you know people in investment finance they make a lot of bets they bet on the share market which is 25% down today by the way oh. <laughs> and, um, so they, they they make bets right they, they, they look like I'm sure we all know friends or people who are in banking right and everyone has a portfolio and they say if you're winning like X amount of your portfolio you're winning Right. So none of them have 100%. Right. Um, so I think compassion is also compassion. And then I think um, the, uh, the magic of when you can really prove to yourself in a situation that you're a strong leader is how quickly you pivot. Because you're not going to always make the right decision, you Mm. know, after blah, blah, all these things I said, which is like, oh, sometimes you have to have democracy, sometimes you don't. But the reality is, if you're getting it right, seven out of 10 times, six to seven out of 10 times, like places like Goldman Sachs, you'll be in like tier triple A team if your portfolio is six out of 10, right? So they only expect you, think about university. Mm. If you hit 70% in university, you're a distinction student, right? So that's good enough, you know. So this whole idea, and I know this is going slightly off topic, but this whole idea of perfection and comparison with social media, I think is very damaging mm. because even I know it affects me sometimes. Like mm. I'm a, I'm a working mom, I have two kids. I'm constantly judging, like, am I spending enough time with my kids? Am I doing enough this? Am I doing enough that? So I think, like, that perfection needs to be shed off, you know. Um. But going back to decision-making and leadership, if you're getting it right six to seven times out of ten, it means three to four times you're not. If you fail, fail royally. There will be lessons to be learned. How quickly you pick yourself out of pity hole and, and you like sweep all your negativity off the ground and kind of go like, okay, what's next? How do mm. I fix this? Mm. What have I learned? How do I go again? Mm. You know, so um, I think that is a great leader. How quickly you pivot. Mm. not being perfect, not about making the right decisions all the time, because there is absolutely no such thing. Like just no such thing.
0: That's yeah. right. Yeah. It, it, in Hirely, we have a core value called take smart risk, mm. which basically sort of acknowledges the fact that sometimes in making decisions, there is a risk. Like you accept the fact that it could be wrong. Yeah. It's just that you try your best to make the, you know, the best decision that, you know, minimizes the risk, but you know, the risk is kind yeah. of still there. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, and and do you think um, in terms of leadership styles, like in an organization, can everyone be a compassionate leader, or do you sort of need a mix? Do you need like a, a tyrant, you know, and a, you know a compassionate I leader? I mean,
2: we've
1: all heard of like the sayings "good cop, bad cop." Mm. I mean, I'm a solo founder, so there's no good cop, bad cop. I sometimes really envy my my other friends uh friend founders mm. you know who have like you know two co-founders yeah um so there's good cop bad cop i'm like i am good cop and bad cop you know
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um sometimes i run out of jokes when i'm breaking bad news so
2: right.
1: like um it's just the bad news there's no laughs after this um but um i think um i mean what do you think
0: yeah it's no it's interesting you mentioned like co-founders co-founders so i'm a single founder yeah so and um I do I have noticed that some with like co-founders right they have like a CEO and COO. Yeah. And the CEO is you know visionary inspiring tells great stories mm-hmm. and and the COO is like the one that gets stuff done. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're super harsh they push people yeah. you know and they don't always tell the inspiring stories mm. but together as a team they somehow do really well. Yeah. Yeah so you know I, I look at that as a, that's kind of interesting yeah. right but, but at the same time I imagine I haven't seen a setup where it's the reverse. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, like, the CEO is the one that's really harsh and mm. pushing people, mm. and the COO is the inspiring kind of softer storyteller. Right. Right. It always seems to be this other way around. Right? Yeah. 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 So I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, if you ask me,
2: I. I
1: personally, when when I first started on my journey, and this is not even when, like, 12 years of Wanderlust, but prior to that, I worked in fashion for, like, five to six years. Mm. Um, And um, in Australia, especially, it was quite a different environment, very interesting. To be very honest, when I first moved back to Malaysia, it took a bit of getting used to um, because in Australia, people are very direct. Mm. They're very direct. They say things as they are. They're pretty blunt. Um, and there's, uh, whereas like coming back here, like, oh, you have to have a meeting after the meeting, you know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> no one says anything at meeting. They talk about it after. And then it's like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: there are too many knots there. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but, um, but I, so, so I think what I'm trying to say is like, I, when I first started out and this is even as an employee, um, you know, we all gravitate to the same people. You know, like if you look at your colleagues that you get along with at work, uh, that you're like, yeah, that person's very good. If you look properly, you know, if you really reflected, you're very similar in how you operate, how you work, your values, right? Mm. But I've learned the hard way that as hard as it is to collaborate with people that might have a different point of view or might offer something different, um, it actually m- makes for better decisions, Yeah, so um, I I don't think I'm really answering your question. Mm. (laughs) But I think what I'm trying to say is that diversity um, in terms of being different is very important. Mm. Like, um, uh, for example, my my art director, who's my design lead, you know, she's super compassionate. Mm. You know, um, and then my marketing director, she's a little bit more um, realistic. Mm. And then my operations manager has zero soft skills. (laughs) She has zero soft skills. (laughs) Not done, uh. no need lunch today, you (laughs) You know, so, and I think, you know, uh, being, I guess, in a roundabout way of answering your question as a founder that doesn't have a bad cop, a good cop, bad cop, I appreciate that my leaders in the business are different, Mm. you know, it, it was hard. Because let's say I'm, I ha- I'm very big on like making sure people understand, making sure people are comfortable, you know, the vibe, the energy. So when I initially manage people in my finance ops team where they're a bit more dry, they don't have soft skills, like what's EQ to them? It's like there is no EQ, you know. Um, I used to not be able to completely get along with them. But then these days I'm like, I get where they're coming from and we all need a bit of different personalities to balance things out. Um, so we shouldn't just hire versions of ourselves. It needs to be a good blend, a good mix, you know. Um, I know diversity is a huge hot topic um, as well. And I don't think it's just a tagline. I think diversity in thought process is going to be the future of work. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So um, do you have a particular role model when it comes to leadership?
1: So many. Like so many. Um like so many, like even my team inspires me sometimes in the way they work, you know. And um, I really, I really appreciate Ariana Huffington for her thought process. You know, she mm-hmm. just uh, is very visionary. I think one of my favorite um, female leaders is actually Brene Brown. So um, I'm sure everyone has a Netflix subscription and she has this one-hour special on Netflix. It is a must-watch. She's so funny and so insightful. Um, And this is going to be a strange fun fact. She actually has a PhD in shame. She studied shame. So (laughs) she kind of opens her one-hour special and goes, so... Um, it's a little bit awkward when people go. So, what, what, were you, what was your PhD on? She's like, I studied shame, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: and she specializes in work pe- workplace behaviors. That's what's so special about Brené. So, she studies human behavior, but she specifically applies it in the workplace. So, one of her famous um, New York Times number one bestseller books is called Dare to Lead. Um, so, she talks um, and. I think I talked about this in the last podcast. Her favorite quote of all time and one of my favorite quotes of all time today is from her. It's only three words. Clear is kind. Mm. So the next time you want to beat around the bush and you're afraid to hurt someone's feelings, what's actually kind is not what you say in the meeting after the meeting. Mm. If you can be clear in that first meeting, going back to that thing about compassion, right? Mm. And I really wish, you know, like we could like instigate this in Malaysia, in Malaysian workplaces. But clear is kind. Mm. And if we let that sink in, then we can behave very differently at work and people would take feedback very differently and then people would much more freely be able to give feedback because there's gonna be much less stigma. Yes. And uh people just taking things a lot less personally, people not being so afraid of the whole cancer culture, I can't say this. So I'm not saying be rude, okay? Mm. Let's not take this on the opposite end. Mm. But clear is kind.
0: Yeah, so, so I, I I resonate with this. I just spoke about this. Um, I was reflecting on how I was giving feedback to someone quite recently and um, about how I sort of beat around the bush a little bit mm. with the feedback and I'll did, do it for
1: you next time. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love to I I would sort of like, you know, delegate all my feedback to you. Right?
1: <laughs> I think it's easy on the outside in. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean to be fair to every everyone. Um And again, it's not just CEOs or founders, I think, even as an intern, you know, like you're you're like sandwiched right at the bottom, right? Like, how do you tell this person you can't get it done or that this isn't actually possible, you know, and it's not because you're lazy and you don't know how, you know, Um, but clear is kind. So the next time you just tell them straight up, this is why and how. But I also think that it's so much easier to sit here on this podcast and tell you all these taglines and like Brene Brown said this, but then when your turn comes and you have to share some. Thing and say something very difficult it is just honestly difficult but oh, the yeah. more we practice the more um, our environments our communities you know the cultures in workplaces and generally the more it allows you and we feel safe you know um, mm. then the more we can be clear and the more we can know that being clear means you're being kind.
0: Yeah, I agree. And sometimes uh, theoretically we understand what are the right things to do. Mm. So even like you talk about giving feedback or having uncomfortable conversations, prior to that conversation, I might play in my head, you know, like in the morning, oh, I'm going to say this to this person. How mm. they're going to react? And you just go on in my head for like hours and hours until that conversation happens. Yeah. So as much as I'm experienced as a leader, and I know what the right things are. Mm. When that moment comes, yeah, you know, then then you sort of have to kind of like um the way you react very often isn't that perfect, right? Yeah. And, and you sort of have to figure out how to to keep improving as you kind of keep, uh, you know, as try to learn to lead. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think one of the key things um, that we're all reading a lot about, or hearing a lot about is authenticity, right? Mm. Um, and I think authenticity is like a fancy word, but I feel authenticity just means be straight. Just be honest. Um, sometimes when I play a lot of things in my head over and over, like, how do I say this? How do I say that? After like, like, as I get into the conversation, like if I can just, if that person's sitting from across me, however bad the news is that I want to deliver, if I can look at you and go, if I can say this conversation is very difficult for me to have. In fact, I've thought three to four times about how I'm going to have this conversation. Like, like be literal, just be literal. Mm -hmm. Mm. Just like, and even right now, I'm still trying to figure out what to say, but I'm just going to come straight out to say it and then say it and then go, please say something because you know, I'm, I'm just not sure how you would react. Like that's authenticity. Mm. And that person might walk away from that conversation and still hate you or still hate what you delivered, but they can't say you weren't being real. That's all you can do. That's all you have at the end of the day as a person in this day and age, I think, when everything's so instantaneous, the only thing we actually can carry with us from situation to situation, from one workplace to another, from one role to another, is to be absolutely you. Mm. So if you can show up to every conversation and just keep it real and voice it out, like, I'm afraid to have this conversation. Like, I'm scared how you would react. Like, be literal. Mm. Then that's being clear and that's also being kind.
0: Yes, and, and I've also learned recently that the best teams are the ones where Everyone is willing to be vulnerable with each other in that sense where I'll say something to you. This is what I really think. I could be wrong. Yeah. But let's talk about this. Yeah. You know, and, and you can say something to me, and then we can sort of have this, uh, you know, this little dance and maybe come to some kind of conclusion. Yeah. And whatever disagreement you have, like if there's enough trust between two people that yeah. you are being authentic and I'm being authentic, then you can recover from the conversation. Right. Yeah. Like you no, know, we walk out this room, We're good. Right. Yeah. The conversation's done. We know what we need to do now, and just move on from there, right? Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than sort of like you know, being, so again, the coming back to like the point of being a compassionate leader. Yeah. Where often sometimes I think people misunderstand it as just to be nice to someone. Yeah. I don't hurt their feelings, you know. But what what happens in the end, like you said, like it comes back to bite you in some other form. Yeah. Eventually, right? Uh, like both of you. So it's it's never really a good uh good thing.
1: I wanted to touch on one other thing, which I think applies not just in the workplace or to leaders, but this concept of compassion and kindness, um, I want to bring up something that is, is, is going to be a byproduct of it at some point when you're compassionate, when you're kind when you're nice, you're going to be taken advantage of. Mm. Whether it's in a friendship, in a relationship, romantic relationship at work, you know, uh, even with relatives and family, we've all, we, I'm sure even in this room, like someone's got a story or your parents have told you a story, uncle so-and-so, you know? (laughs) Um, So I, I came to crossroads with this recently. I had a very sticky situation um, that I can't discuss too much about, but, it made me reflect, right? Mm. And I think going back to what I was saying earlier about keeping things real. So we all have to smarten up, right? So you, you go through this, these 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 uh, situations, and you recognize for yourself whether was I naive to behave a certain way? Was that silly or stupid for me to behave a certain way? Um, and then I think if you can. Reflect and then make some realizations for yourself. But make sure, make sure, make sure that you're aware, how aware you were potentially taken advantage of and how you could perhaps be slightly different. But just never ever get bitter. Don't let it change you. In a world that works so hard to harden all of us in this instant world where everything is so instant, do not let these bad things and bad people change the good person you are. Mm. Do not. Mm. And I think that if it, it is, I mean, don't let them come take your house, your keys, your cars, your <laughs> children, and your wardrobe, God forbid, <laughs> my shoes, <laughs> my jewelry. Um, but, um, you know, like, I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. Yes. But, like, I think in a world that works really hard to make Make, make harden our hearts like staying soft is magical mm. yeah mm. being being really you and being able to still be good and be proud of yourself and how you carried yourself in that conversation or situation is is the only thing you can take away mm.
0: Mm. and and if if you were in a situation like this right where you felt someone was sort of like you know uh, you know taking advantage of you you know that like they crossed the boundary or something how what what kind of self-talk do you have what do you say to yourself to kind of like this let it go and you know um, I don't want to be too bothered by this.
1: It, it's uh, I read I read a lot of self help books. <laughs> I do actually. I, there's this one book that I really like. Uh, and if anyone who's listening or any of you in the audience like, especially coming from Asian parenting, you know, like if you tend to sweat the small stuff or, or get hung up on things or overthink, you know, I think overthinking is a big thing, you know, uh, especially when you're starting on your career. There's this book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff it's quite an easy read I really like it Mm. and if you've had a really hard day put it on your bedside table Uh, the thing I like about this book is it's broken down into micro chapters so one chapter is only three to four pages yeah so the whole book has like a hundred different stories in it so you can read like three to four pages and put it away you know Mm. Um, but definitely that's number one don't sweat the small stuff Mm. so I think if you've been taken advantage of, you can, we're all angry. We get angry, we're upset, we're annoyed, we're irritated, we're furious. We tell the story five times to five different people who would listen. The more we tell the story, the angrier we become. You know, like we've all been there, right? But let that out of your system. Then after that, calm down and really think about like what's the takeaway, you know? What if you really, really in a calm mind, clear heart, clear head, think about walk through the situation again ask yourself what would you have done differently and don't do it when you're pissed
0: right
1: yeah so then that's how i think you can really reflect on if this happened again what would you not do so you won't be taken advantage of but you can also take check for yourself how you don't want to harden your heart and be a different person mm. and let someone or something so insignificant that won't matter in two weeks or a month or a year. Change who you are. Why? Why let them change you? Unless you want it to change. Mm. So be in control of your own mi- life and your mind, you know, like if you wanted to change it because you felt like this is my lesson, I want to change this, then do. But don't, don't because of that person. So I, I, I do have this thing I ask in my head. I ask myself, will this matter in a week? Will this matter in a month? Will this matter in a year? And if it doesn't, I brainwash myself. I go, okay, let it go, let it go,
2: let it go. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> my my daughter listens to Frozen on repeat. So I like, All right. <laughs> not my song choice, but yeah. <laughs> but it's literally in there. <laughs>
0: right uh, Okay, I love that. And um, I'm just going to go uh, from the employee's point of view. Yeah. So if you if you believe your leader, right? If you think they're they under the category of being a compassionate leader. Yeah. How do you think someone would work well with this type of leadership stuff?
2: Um, the
1: person who would work well with someone compassionate. Um, I think they should teach this in school, actually. Uh, I was going to say self-awareness is very important. So... Um, for the longest time, I think when we're starting out in a career, when we're finding out our personalities or how to go about things, um, we mimic. We mm. look at this person and we go, oh, that worked for them, so I'll follow, mm. you know? Uh, and then we try and then and then, and then then it doesn't work, right? And then we go, huh, how come? And then we repeat like machine learning. We keep doing it over and over until we figure out our way, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so I think self-awareness is an important thing because we're all different. So even on your your board, you know, where you've got the MyExpress, Briggs, 16 personalities, introverted, extroverted, thinking, feeling, judging, you know. So we're all different. Um, I think that, I don't, I think what I'm trying to say is I don't think a particular type of person within a team works better with a compassionate leader. I think the people who are the best team members are self-aware. You don't need to be like me and I don't need to be like you but you sure damn as hell should know what you are actually like so that you hold your ground and I hold mine and we can come together because I'm not here to patch up your insecurities. I'm not here to tell you you're good at what you're not good at. It will be more convenient for me as a leader if you're clear what you're good at and what you're not and I don't have to pacify you.
2: Mm. And that's
1: just tough love. Mm. so the best people on your team are self-aware they're not trying to be someone they're not they're clear what they're not good at they're clear what they're good at or they're self-aware enough to come to you and say actually i'm not sure about this part can we clarify you know i've been finding that i've been struggling with this you know let's say i'm in hr and i've been having a hard time telling people to come to work on time let's use an easy example right and then maybe it's like like you need to go to your manager and say, I think I'm coming to realize that I'm actually an unconfrontational person. But part of my KPI is to get everyone to come to work on time. Mm. So what can we talk about how I can improve on that? If I was a leader or manager, I want that person on my team. They haven't figured it out yet, but they're self-aware enough to come to me with exactly what's happening. Right. And that saves time. Right, right. Rather right. than they pretend that they're gonna do it, they're like, "Okay, what's up, everyone already. They know didn't do it, you yeah. know." <laughs> or like, "I told her, I told her, she knows didn't do it, you know." Right. Yeah. And then you're left wondering, like, why are they still all coming late? You know.
0: Yeah. yeah I'm just yeah. using a
1: silly example.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: but um, the best people on your team um, are
2: self-aware.
0: Mm. And and I, I guess in some sense, uh, no one can do everything well. So yeah. if you are self-aware, at least that's a great uh, way how you can work together as a team. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah, yeah. Like recently, someone joined my team, and she was in that role for less than a month. Mm. Um, and uh, during her like uh, exit, I said, you know, um, uh, I realized that you were very good at these things. You know, I hope at your next job you get to do these particular things. And I said, I, I really want to apologize, you know, if I wasn't like the perfect leader or like, you know, if I didn't do all the right things that maybe caused for you to feel this role wasn't suitable. And she was very mature about it. She was like, no, no one's perfect. I think you were always very honest with me, Mm. which goes back to one of my earlier points, being Mm. honest. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
0: And um, if someone wishes their boss was kinder to them. Uh, say, if they, you know, they're dealing with a tyrant, say. Uh, Was
1: that cough intentional? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll see if someone has extra attention to Better give that person more wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some things you think they could do, apart from just changing their job, obviously, which is an obvious answer, uh, to improve their relationship with their boss?
1: Um, I always think that taking someone for a coffee... Or taking someone for, for, for a drink, you know, and saying, oh, I have something to discuss and talking about it um, really works. Uh, I always use this three strikes rule, like even with people on my team or like, um, or, or any situation, I always go, okay, try at least three times before you resign or you say this person's not cut out. Um, and I would say that whether it's you want your boss to be more kind or to be to take you less for granted, or to stop shoving you things just because you are capable, you know, like there's all kinds of the usual, you know, pain points that 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 teams bring up. Mm. Um, I think I think take someone out for a coffee or have a conversation with them. You know, um, I mean, coming back to kindness, this is gonna be very random, but uh, I had someone on my team that I felt was kind of came in and 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 was very standoffish, mm. was very sort of like waiting for things to not go right to, to make like, like a pessimist. Okay. Mm. And the role that that person was in, they they couldn't be pessimistic too much, at least realist, Mm. bring them back to the middle, you know? Mm. Um, and I was thinking, thinking, you know, what to do, is it tough love? Is it not? And then after Christmas, I bought this person some Christmas treats, like, like, Sugar solves everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I bought I bought this person some Christmas treats, and I said, "Oh, I have thought about you." And this person totally turned around after that. Like, and I think so. I think sometimes kindness is not just about like, "Oh, it's okay, you can come in later," or like. But sometimes kindness is showing someone you're thinking about them, taking an interest is compassionate. So if someone is continuously not delivering, if someone is continuously not hitting their deadlines, you know. Um, Sitting down and just asking why is compassionate. Mm. Yeah. Compassionate doesn't mean straight away punishing. Compassionate doesn't mean straight away understanding. Don't assume anything. Sit down and ask why. Taking time and an interest is compassionate.
0: Cool. I have um, three different scenarios.
1: Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) Okay, shoot.
0: (laughs) To kind of see how you might respond, right? uh, Yeah. uh, In this uh, situation. So first one is... um, you know, we're post-COVID now, it's 2022. Well, not post-COVID, but hopefully towards the tail end. You know, there are some mixed responses, for example, about returning physically to the office because we are like all in lockdown, right? So, um, you know, some worry about health, Mm. uh, some don't mind, they want to come in. But let's assume that your business requires people to come in physically Mm. better. Like, it would be so much better if everyone did. Yeah. Right how would you handle a situation like this where your own employees have very mixed feelings?
1: I think um, maybe uh, doing a survey as to why,
0: mm.
1: you know, to understand is the first step.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, you could do a survey, you could have the different department leads, you know, speak to their teams to, to understand, you know, uh, put some feelers on the ground, understand, maybe digest all of that and then try to bring things back in stages mm. in a tailored method towards people's concerns. Mm. That could be one way to go about it. Mm. Um quite often like there's always a lot of noise. You know, we, we love to say like they say and then it turns out it's like three people out <laughs> of yeah. like eighty, right? <laughs> um so for me I As leaders, I think we need to excavate. Mm. We're like archaeologists. (laughs) Um, You need to excavate and get to the bottom of things and figure things out. So honestly, quite very often when HR comes to you and says, some people asked, and it's honestly sometimes one person.
0: Yes, I've see, I've been in this situation. Before. Many, yeah. many, many
1: times, yes. honestly. Over yeah. my my career, like, it's it's quite often. So then, rather than go a roundabout way and solve problems that don't exist, get to the bottom of it and then go talk to those two people.
0: Hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, that's cool. Uh, scenario number two. <laughs> it's like a test. <laughs> I know
1: we're coming to the end. <laughs> I did scheme and this was like the last Actually. question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, an employee in your team say they're doing sales, right? So this person works very hard, right? But he or she, you know, they didn't hit the sales target for many, many months, you know. And um, how, how would you speak of, You obviously want them to perform and hit their sales target, right? Yeah. They just can see they're working hard, but they're not hitting the number. So how, how would you talk to someone like this?
1: Mm, I recently went through something like this. Um, and uh, not someone in sales, but someone in a different role. Um... And um, they had to go on a PIP program three times.
0: Oh, and then
1: this person okay. had a salary cut. Oh, okay. And um, one of my very close friends actually runs a supermarket business. So she has like a few hundred staff members. And so I was really in a turmoil about this before we... This person it has been reinstated now, by the way. Disclaimer, it worked.
2: Mm. <laughs> Before Mm. I
1: get to the end of the story. (laughs) So I had lunch with this friend of mine and and I was telling her, you know, what do I do about this person? You know, I I really feel a bit stuck. She said, huh? If they make like more than two mistakes, I give a warning letter. I was like, so fast? (laughs) Huh? She was like, yeah. I was like, really? She was like, yes. And then let's go back to the concept we talked about at the beginning. Clear is kind.
0: Mm. Mm. Right. Right.
1: So... You know, I think sometimes our biggest fears are probably, you know, if if we pride ourselves as a kind and compassionate leader, maybe we're more afraid of what doing something like that might make us feel about ourselves, but the actually even the colleagues of that person or other teams already see from a mile that this person needs this disciplinary act. Mm, mm. And th- that by doing that, then you're just simply doing your job. Mm. Not you, you, but as in the case. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, I personally struggle with this in the mm. sense where sometimes if I can see like, oh, there's something I need to address and, yeah. and I sort of kind of leave it and a lot of other people can see it as a problem. yeah. You know and it's so obvious and even if I addressed it no one would judge my reaction yeah but I'm judging my own reaction
1: yes. right. yeah right. so sometimes um I think we need to step outside of ourselves mm. and and just do what's actually right 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 yeah
2: okay
0: in a scenario same person a uh, well, different person okay also didn't hit their goals okay. uh, but instead of working really hard this' a this, uh,
1: this company needs to go on a retreat, motivational yeah, yeah, retreat. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: This, <laughs> these scenario people, yeah. These
0: hypothetical scenarios <laughs> okay, might be highly okay. scenarios. <laughs> uh, and employee, let's say, you know, they're really lazy. Right? They didn't hit their sales targets, but it's clearly it's because that they're not working very hard. They're taking things too easy, clearly, mm. right? So how would you then speak to someone like this?
1: Hmm, I honestly, over the years now, I really cut through the chase. So I would sit someone down and say like, hey, I really feel, you know, I value you. I would actually look this person in the eye and be like, I want you here. I want you here. I want you in this team. That's why you're still here. You know, people are getting retrenched. People are getting fired, but you're here. Not because no one else will take your job, but because we want you here. I have a question for you. Do you want to be here? Hmm. So it goes back to just having a conversation and it took me a long time to get there. And even when I have to have those conversations these days, I have to talk myself into it, Mm. you know, but I really realized that 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 just solves it. Right. And then that person will straight up tell you yes or no. Right. Like I recently had someone who, um, you know, uh, had the opportunity to stay on in a job or move along somewhere else. And I sent them a survey because people who want to move roles, you know, have to do a particular survey at Wanderlust and they never came back to me. So then I made an appointment with her and I sat with her and I said, your silence and the fact that you didn't come back on this tells me your decision is made. I respect that though. I'm happy for you. I'll be your reference, but please put in your resignation letter. Mm. Are you okay with that? And they said, okay. And I said, okay, good. Clear clear is kind
0: clear is kind Mm oh okay
1: yeah
0: i i have to learn to be more like this uh (laughs) uh, scenario number three uh so an employee employee a is always late to meetings uh and the entire team is always waiting for this employee right always like 10 minutes late Uh, and it wastes the team time and it delays the meeting so how would you address this situation as a leader
1: I feel kind of bad taking this this question because I'm always late to my meetings. (laughs) Disclaimer. (laughs) But my team is always very kind to me. They're like, we know you're running behind, Jen. We know that you're always packed. You know, Um, so I love them for that Um, for their compassion to me for their compassion to me. I have to say, I don't struggle too much with this because for the most part, my teams are always on time. Mm. Um, Or if they're late, it's like five minutes, you know, Um, or they have a legit reason and they will text, you know, to say why. Um, I I guess hypothetically, I think maybe sitting them down to say that, you know, here are a few reasons why this affects productivity. I think just being honest again, just to say like, hey, I like to kind of appeal to people's uh, perspectives. So I would start the conversation like this. Like, hey, you're a top achiever, right? And, you know, you've been doing so well with, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I know you care a lot about your team and about your job. But I think there's a blind spot you haven't seen just yet. It might seem trivial, but, you know, um, I hope you don't blame anyone or ask me how I got this information. But I can see that... X, Y, or Z is how they feel when you're when 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 you come late, right? So I know you're like such a star performer, and I know you care so much for your team, and maybe you're just not seeing the full picture of like the knock-on effect when you're late, right? And and how people feel about that, it demotivates them, it delays them, it it disincentivizes them to you know get things done on time. Mm. Um. So how do we solve this? I put it back to that person. How do how do we solve this?
2: Mm. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Or sometimes I'm quite authoritarian. I would just <laughs> say like, "So be on time, okay? Thanks." <laughs> but I think I think everyone has a different personal leadership personality, and I'm very conversational. Mm. Um, and I think I try to keep things very grounded. So I'll see it as it is, but then I'll make a joke or like I'll try to bring it down to a real scenario, Mm. you know, like so-and-so, like I'll use real scenarios. And then like, I always like to make people laugh because I feel like when we laugh and we're a bit more relaxed, we're open. Mm. And then, you know, um, trust is important. So when we're comfortable, if you feel comfortable with me and you know, I've got your back and that I'm saying this because I care, right. Mm. Then you are much more open. So I think humor is a big thing in leadership that doesn't get talked about a lot, but we all love Obama and I think it's because he's funny.
0: (laughs) I think so. Having a personality helps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And and I just remind you, I think I might have told this story in the last podcast as well, but... I, I, there's ones I heard about, you know, there's this person that just hired this company and they're actually not doing a great job. Okay. And, the, the leader, instead of addressing it, was sort of like, oh no, you're doing great and great. Everyone, everyone knew this person wasn't doing a great job. Yeah. But the leader would never address it. Right. right. Because they're being too passive, being too nice. And at the end of the probation period, it suddenly just said, oh, you know what? Like, we're not going to hire you. Mm. And, and they're like, well, Why? Yeah. it's sort of like it, it became such a shock to them mm. but they never they never heard the feedback yep. they never knew that there were some issues that they could have worked on like if they if they found out a bit sooner mm. you know they might have been able to work on it and improve and become better yeah. but because the leader was never willing to address it because they were quote unquote being kind and nice yeah. it just got to the end and this person never knew and, and then he didn't get you know he didn't get confirmed in the job which is, which is actually not very fair if you think about it from the employee's perspective, right, you should have told them. Yeah. You know, So so this is the, I think it's the one thing that a lot of people sometimes don't really understand about being compassionate. Right? Uh, and when I hear your stories, someone, a different person listening to it might feel like, hey, wait a minute, that's the opposite of being compassionate. You, you sound like you're being very harsh, but what they don't understand is, but when you're delivering this, because this is what you authentically, genuinely think about the situation, mm. you know, it's actually good for them to know.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Because because you're the leader, ultimately, you know, you are making decisions for the company and making decisions for their career. Yeah. They should know what you're thinking, right? And then so that you can have an open conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think I've said it too many times on this podcast, but I think being clear is actually the new kind. Yeah.
0: Being clear is the new kind. Well, you heard it here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <I'm drunk. laughs>
0: Does anyone have any questions? Maybe you want to ask?
2: I
1: actually have a couple questions. Yes. Yeah, one cool. is related to the podcast, one not so much. Um the first, the one that's related, you were talking about Claris kind Do you think that people have developed sort of like a being around the bush mentality? Especially here, because um a lot of people don't take very kindly to that directness. It is cultural, you know. Um, I feel I don't want to get political, but I think um, we, we in Malaysia, which I think when you say here, that's what you're addressing. Yes. We grew up with a culture of a smokescreen. There is one version that you tell people, and then there's a real version. And authenticity and being clear means you just tell the real version straight up. You know, um, even when people resign, right? I know it's very hard to tell your boss you, you want to leave or whatever, um, all that stuff. And I don't underestimate, let's say, how tough that conversation can be for someone, right? But I think like, even if immediately it's not obvious when someone's being honest about why they're leaving, immediately it's not obvious that that's the right thing they should have said. In hindsight, it would be. Okay. You know, so I think what I lean on is sometimes when you're being clear, the benefits of that, it's not immediately obvious but time is the true test and in time and with hindsight if you were authentic and you were clear it would be clear that you were being honest and kind about it yeah so you think like it takes one person to start sort of like a cultural shift yeah and i think we're in we're 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 seeing that shift Okay. Right, we're seeing that shift in modern modern workplaces. I think COVID um, in the last two years as people go into hybrid, you know, work globally, right? Because interestingly, we all went into it together in the whole world. Um, and I think b- being unable to see people has forced us to be strangely more extreme, whether it's more extremely honest or more extremely dishonest, <laughs> you know, um, whichever camp you took. Um, But I think we're in the midst, we're in an interesting time right now. We're seeing massive perspective shifts in how people should engage at work. Okay. Yeah. So the second question was more about like how you built the brand and you have become such a like global, you're so global at the moment. How do you incorporate sustainability into your brand? Um, Well, sustainability, that's a very good question. Thank you. Um, Sustainability is twofold. I always say to my team, the product version of sustainability is one thing. And actually, we embarked on our sustainability journey uh, five years ago. We now only work with BSCI certified factories. um, And we only use recycled brass. um, And those are a lot of fancy words for basically no child labor. People get paid what they should be. They're not working over time to extremely um and um all the byproduct uh you know that goes into uh servicing an order meaning the packaging the swing tags everything is sustainable and recycled it's taken a long time because you know uh, in fashion those in the industry will know that you pre-book your supplies early on so at one point I was like let's be sustainable we still have three years of boxes left though Jen (laughs) Um, things like that you know so um, so yeah so on the product side of things like we started our journey five years ago before it became so so sexy in the last two years um, and we still have a long way to go but um, all our product is BSCI certified. So that's that's great. Like really credit to the team. Um, On the other side of sustainability is actually um, at HQ, right? Um, And um, I would say that work-life balance, um, being happy with where you are at, you know, the team meaning and as a brand, as a business, um, as well as uh, being able to have the headspace to be creative, balancing out, you know, deadlines, you know, all these things. This is also a form of sustainability. You know, like we have all had friends who work for certain businesses, right? Um, I think the rise of marketplaces um, has been obviously very dominant in the last two years as we were all like in lockdown. Um, And we all have friends who work at said marketplaces who are very burnt out. Mm. Um, And so there's no point saying that you're part of a convenience system that's part of some revolution that changes how people operate and and, and, and trade, but then at the core of it, it's broken, right? Then that would just be smokescreen, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, sustainability is 2 prong. One is on the product side, but the other is on your values and the headspace. And at the heart of it, my people create everything you see on the front end, right? So if they're burnt out then everything you see on the front end won't work you know because um if anyone's listening in or in the room is a creative you cannot create when everything is stuck you can't lie yourself out of that you know it shows in your work so um so in some ways being in a being a creative business maybe we are forced to be very sustainable in how we manage ourselves perhaps yeah yeah i hope that answers your question yes it does yeah thank
2: you no worries those the questions yeah. awesome
1: what about the guys one question from the guys who wants to take the sword
2: yeah come on
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's your recommendation on an engagement ring
1: <laughs> oh it's a jewelry question oh, yeah. I like that too yeah, yeah. it's a man on a mission oh, okay. do you have oh, nice. a promo code for that style of ring oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's I
1: see question. where you're going with this I
2: know that
0: <laughs> and like, okay
1: I should stay <laughs> um, well uh, I feel like I shouldn't jump straight into the looks of the a ring like have you guys discussed the concept of marriage yet <laughs> I'm gonna give him all this advice on the ring and then it'll be like like two months later he's gonna come to the office like Derek she said no, she said no. <laughs> <laughs> i like,
2: kind of
1: okay 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 and at that point did you have... Did she have any indication, like, on what she likes? No. Women are pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> They're not uh, subtle. Have you met women? Do yeah, you work with them?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: <not that> awesome. <laughs> Right, right. But, but, okay, my recommendation of an engagement ring... Um, well, the classic is always a brilliant cut, which is a round stone, right? Um, and... Uh, I think with a halo around it, it's always really nice. Um, And uh, also when you have a halo of little diamonds around the main diamond, you get away with size of the main diamond. So it's a bit more cost effective. (laughs) Um, uh, I would say that that's always a classic. Have you seen that like brilliant cut round with little stones around it so that it looks like a halo, that guy down there in the shirt?
0: The tropical shirt's
1: nodding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was nodding. He was. <laughs> the yeah. other th- interesting thing to do is maybe to go shop around, like to go to a jewelry store, and they usually have catalogs. And then you can get like her sister or her best friend to be like pretending to be looking and then be like, so what shape do you like? You know, things like that. So that o- like what they
0: show in the drama and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, right? Korean <laughs> dramas
1: is where it's yeah. at. Yeah, 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 I don't watch any, but I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Congratulations yeah. in advance, I hope. <laughs> uh,
2: I will say
1: thank you <laughs> another, another interesting way to propose is to do it creatively like print out a ring, like a people ring or something and propose without a ring and then go shop for it together
2: after. (laughs)
1: Although that would be that might be a little bit sticky in terms of budget <laughs> if she goes for the five carat or something. Like, I like that
0: one.
1: Yeah, I hope that well, helps.
0: Yeah, I I think, I, think a lot of men are kind of clueless about this. Like, even me personally, I um, when I first proposed to my wife, I, I don't know if this is genuine practice, but I'm learned, I learned that this, apparently, you have to sort of ask the parents for permission, etc. Yeah but i did not so literally no no one knew that i was going to propose not her parents not my parents not her
1: google it first yeah. how yeah. to propose yeah. Yeah. Follow things to do no, okay literally right. things to do before you propose
0: <laughs> yeah don't do don't me okay cuz after I, after I, I, I propose and she say yes and then then she's so like oh do my parents know? like why why would your parents know? <laughs> that was no a bit awkward yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah thanks Thanks. no for worries well awesome uh i i, I love this conversation The, a lot of um uh, we discussed a lot of kind of uh, challenging situations i find with leadership um i actually generally think that um hopefully all forms of leadership will go in this direction when people are more authentic right and just and just say what they mean yeah and and by doing that you're actually being compassionate and kind too.
2: yeah right. awesome yeah
0: well thank you jen for coming again thank uh, you for having
1: me you yeah. guys are a bunch of fun people
0: awesome thank you all right thanks everyone Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit the subscribe button, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcast. If you're trying to have a great career, or if you want to succeed in business, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, we have many, many more amazing people joining us soon. And we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by Hiredly, a full-fledged recruitment platform that helps junior to mid-level professionals discover the right place to work. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, uh, do check us out at hiredly.com. That's H-I-R-E-D-L-Y dot com. Thank you and I look forward to share the next episode with you soon.